Hi, my name is Minda Hartz, and I'm your host of Secure the Seat, your weekly podcast that helps women of color secure their seat at the table. And it's not about just getting your seat, but it's about creating space and bringing other women of color along for the ride and for the work with you. Um, It's really important that we do that. We see so many people get into positions of power, and sometimes they don't bring anybody along with them, or they like being the only one. And I'm a firm believer that success is not a solo sport. And to create legacy, we have to continue bringing folks along with us. Um, It's just better that way. So shout out to you if you've been rocking with me uh, for three seasons. Thank you. When I started this podcast, I had no idea that it would be beneficial or helpful. And every download, every review, every time you listen, I don't take it for granted because you're busy. And for you to bring me into your world and listen to the guests and think about the content that you're hearing through your car, through your earbuds, it means so much to me. And I hope that you find value in it. Um, I get so many people who send me messages, uh, emails, direct messages, LinkedIn messages, all those things. And they, and it just means so much to me. So I just want to say thank you. And then also for my listeners that are not people of color or women of color, I appreciate you too, because this content is how you educate yourself. You have to understand what we're talking about, what we're going through to even attempt to try and help and be an ally or be a success partner. So kudos for you for joining in and continuing to be part of the conversation. Martin Luther King said, we will live in the monologue, not the dialogue. And I think it's so important that we live in it, not just talk about it, that action. And so today's episode is so dope. I mean, every week that I put out a podcast, when I do, I know I've been slipping a little last um, couple of weeks because it's just um, preparing for the book. The book drops August 20th. If you have not secured your copy, go and do that. The memo, What Women of Color Need to Know to Secure a Seat at the Table, you can get it wherever you like to buy your books. Um, Most convenient people are telling me is Amazon or Apple, however you like to to do that. But pre-order, those mean so much. And that signal boosts to the powers that be that this content matters. And so if you bought your book already, I just want to say thank you. Uh, But today we're actually going to talk about toxic work environments because it's hard to thrive in an environment that is not invested in your success, but also greeting you with microaggressions, greeting you with bias, um, so much. So um, our guest today is really rad, and we became friends through social media. It seems like that's the way you meet people these days. Um, And I had the opportunity to take our online friendship uh, in person when I was speaking at Duke earlier this year, and she took me to a really amazing chicken and waffle spot in... um, in Durham. <laughs> I think we were in Durham. We were either in Raleigh or Durham. You like cross the street and you might be in one one place. Uh, but I just appreciate women like Sarah Morgan. And before I get into her, I just want to take a moment and just take a pause and a moment of silence for Toni Morrison. If you're not aware of her, just a prolific figure. Um, for African-Americans, but to the world, writer, advocate, activist, 
thought leader, thought provoker. She really, she was all about that for us, by us. And um, my first introduction to Ms. Morrison was when I was a little girl and I would go and visit my great grandmother and my great aunt. They lived in the same like duplex kind of apartment thing when I was a young girl. And when uh, I'd go visit them um, in Los Angeles and my great grandmother had this room in the back and she had all of her books there. And I remember being probably seven or eight maybe. And I saw this book it, called Tar Baby. And I, and I remember I'm like, and I remember running to one of my relatives like, what is this book? And that was the first introduction that I had to Toni Morrison as a little girl. And obviously her work traveled with me and became part of me as I became a, a grown woman. And a few years ago, I had the honor and the pleasure of meeting her and actually spending a couple hours with her in her home. I had this opportunity to go to her home and present uh, a medal to her. Uh, a friend of mine, a colleague, uh, couldn't make it to New York and called me and said, I know you would love this opportunity. Can you go to her house and give her the medal? And I tell you, when I got that call, I thought that what did I do right in the world to get this opportunity to go to Toni Morrison's home, sit and talk with this woman for a couple of hours. And uh, it was just a joy. She was so gracious. She talked about just how happy she was to see at the time um, that was going on. Um, there was a few, maybe Ferguson had happened and um, a couple of other um, murders of black men had taken place. And she was just talking about how in her generation, they had so many activists and she was just so happy to see the Black Lives Matter movement arise and bring people to the forefront and be at the, the front of our issues. And just to hear her talk about that. And um, I'll never forget that day. I will never forget that day. And so I just want to say thank you to her because she wrote for us and uh, she was unapologetic about it. And so I just want to say thank you, Ms. Morrison, for, for all that you did, all that you wrote. You allowed us to see ourselves in the story. And I know the ancestors have opened up their arms uh, and celebrating with you. Um, you left us with so much. And I hope that we will continue to make you happy with the body of work that you've left behind. So we got to give honor where honor is due. And in today's episode, I, I don't even know where you are in your situation. Maybe, maybe you're in a great environment. And if you are thriving at work, go sis, go, go bro, go. I'm happy for you. But there are so many that reach out to me and say, I'm having a hard time at work. Um, I'm experiencing this. I, my boss is this, my colleagues are that just a really bad place to work. And today we're going to talk about the warning signs because sometimes we're so embedded, so entrenched in these environments that we start to settle into the microaggression. We start to settle into the bias and we're going to talk about how to understand that and how to get yourself out of it. So Sarah Morgan, and if you 
want to learn more about her, I'll make sure that all of her information, which I know you will after we talk, will be in the show notes so you can connect with her. But she's been practicing HR for over 20 years. She's the Chief Excellent Officer at Buzzaroonie LLC, where she provides consulting and coaching surrounding organizational culture, comprehensive health, and total wellness benefits and executive leadership. Uh, Listen, Sarah is the truth, okay? You're going to want to sign up for her um, newsletter, listen to her podcast, and also if you're on Twitter, which I hope that you are, check out the hashtags Black Blogs Matter. Uh, I want you to check that out because there's some phenomenal content that she's produced on that. But um, Sarah's a friend, and I'm just so excited for you to listen to today's episode. Let's get into it. Sarah, welcome to Secure the Seat. How are you? I am great. I'm so excited to be here. Let's do this. Yes, I know we've been talking about it for a little while, so I'm so excited to have you on season three of Secure the Seat. Tell everyone a little bit more about you. My name is Sarah Morgan. I am the Chief Excellence Officer for Buzzaroonie LLC, which is my HR consulting boutique. I do writing, speaking, consulting, and coaching in the areas of executive leadership, benefits and wellness, as well as inclusive organizational culture. Um, And that's my night job. (laughs) By day, I am the Director of Human Resources a national retail organization. So um, I'm still side hustling in addition to, you know, my full-time job. And when I'm not doing that, I am a married mother of five. So my days and nights are very busy. Yes. So I'm very happy that you made time for us. Yes. Come through with that chief excellence officer. I like that title. Thank you. you. I'm still getting used to saying it, like the whole pitch of how you present yourself. I'm still working that out. That's, that's that side hustle thing. You got to learn all of those tricks and trades. So. Yes, that's, that's what it, securing our seat is real. (laughs) It It is real. Um, But one of the things I want to talk to you today is the, the warning signs and Sometimes many of us as black and brown women, women of color, we are barely surviving in certain environments when we do, when we should be thriving, but we don't all have that kind of option right now. But I'm hoping that the future of work will provide many of us, if not all of us, the opportunity to do that. But let's talk about toxic work environments. And for those who might not understand what that means, how would you define it? So I'm so glad to be talking about this, especially in this moment, because I am trans, I just transitioned into a new role and, you know, came out of what had really become a toxic work situation for me. So this is right on time, you know, in terms of my personal experience. Um, I think that toxic work environments, I would define that as any atmosphere where the vibe, the energy, the people the work that you're doing is causing disruption to your professional productivity or to your personal life in some combination. So, and that can look like a lot of different things. It creeps us, creeps up on us, you know, very, it's it's not usually a uh, sudden thing where you look around and go, oh, I'm in a toxic work environment. It usually happens much more subtly and you start to feel that 
lack of energy. Um, you start to see your your body is aching. You're starting to feel sleepless. Your mind races. That can lead to bad eating habits. You start to find yourself getting sick more often. Um, and eventually, for a lot of people, myself included, that starts leading to things like anxiety attacks and panic attacks. And, you know, that the, the struggle um, and the harshness that toxic work environments can cause on people is real. So that's, you know, my definition. Anytime your atmosphere, the work you're doing, the people you work with are starting to interfere with your productivity and that trickles into your personal life, your work environment is on that spectrum of toxic. Yeah, girl, I like your definition because I've been in a couple of toxic work environments, one where I was having panic attacks. In some meetings, I could barely speak. Like Mm -hmm. you would think that I was having all kinds of issues and and it's real, you know, and you start to question yourself in in those moments. And so I'm glad that we're, we're talking about this. And now that we understand kind of what a toxic work environment does to us, um, mentally, physically, Mm -hmm. sometimes financially, Tell us what some of the warning signs are so that we can be alert when it come, when it's taking place around us or to us. One of the first things I think you will see when a work environment is toxic or becoming toxic is absenteeism and to some extent presenteeism, which I think they're like cousins, right? You have pe- either people are not coming to work, they're coming in late, they're leaving early, they're taking long lunches, or they're at work, but they're not really productive. They're spending a lot of time in their coworker's office, venting about, you know, their frustrations with the job. Um, a lot of gossip is, is going on, and that's taken away from people being present and productive in their jobs. So that's one of the first things that you see in toxic work environments. The other thing is low enthusiasm, low participation. You will still, you'll have companies that are trying to get people to sign up for things like potlucks and trying to get people to like, it's, 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 we're celebrating the birthdays and nobody wants to come into the break room to sing. You know, when you start seeing stuff like that, it's because people's, their participation, oh, their enthusiasm is low because when we blow these candles out and I go back to my desk, it's some foolishness and I don't want to fake the funk with y'all. So I'm not coming in the break room to sing happy birthday. I might not even like that person, you know, so you start to see that going on. Um, Turnover tends to be a pretty sure sign. People are not going to stay in unhealthy work environment. So it may not necessarily be your department. Um, but you may hear people talking about, I'm looking for another job, I'm trying to get out of here, or you start to see people leaving. I think um, you start to see a lot of kind of siloing of people and a lot of finger pointing in toxic work environments, the the dreaded CC on emails when you got to copy everybody and they, they boss and they boss's boss because you should cover your own butt. Um, people are just kind of unwilling to work together people would you know they silo themselves it's like I'd rather do this project by myself than work with so-and-so because I can't trust you know this person is not going to try to throw me under the bus so you see just that unwillingness to collaborate and work with people because you're working isn't healthy and I think the last thing is your leadership 
is going to be disengaged and may even start to see like some twinges of narcissism happening in there where they're just not willing to listen to feedback. They're not willing to hear, you know, what it is that you have to say. If you don't agree with them and you don't want to move forward with whatever it is that they're saying with no objections and not even, and, and you can raise objections that are valid. They don't want to hear that either. When you find yourself in that kind of environment, you know that your workplace is, is toxic. Oof. You, you had me doing some, um, I had some PTSD <laughs> moments. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like you start checking the list and you go, oh, ooh, I got that. I got that. I got, yeah. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. Them CC and moves, man. When people start I'm to. The worst. The worst. You know it's downhill when, whenever, when you get that everybody's on the email and ain't got nothing you emailing me and you already copying my boss you ain't even give me a chance like come on man like that's you know that that's not a healthy work relationship that's not a relationship between two people who trust each other and are looking at each other if you already telling on me and I ain't even had a chance to do nothing yet that's too you're doing too much yes yeah that's a that's a sign that something is not right in in your work environment yeah and uh, public service announcement. Stop doing that. If that's you. Stop doing that. <laughs> and if you are a leader, don't let that be done. That's mm-hmm. the other piece. Because if you tolerate that, I don't tolerate that kind of foolishness. I will be quick to be like, why are you copying me on this? Like, I will call the other person out. Why are you copying me on this? You haven't even given so-and-so an opportunity to address the issue. It's no need to escalate to me. I get enough emails. I, I will call that out with the quicks because I'm not for it. But people will, when you're in a toxic environment, that feeds into that ego, you know, and that that negative vibe that's going on. And it's like, ah, see, look, I got you. Mm-mm, ain't no gotcha. Give, <laughs> it, don't escalate nothing to me if you haven't given the person whose responsibility it is a chance to do what they're supposed to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that'll preach. That already preached. Tabernacle, <laughs> <laughs> benediction. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, pull out the tambourine. And 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 on that note, so we we know the signs. We understand what it is. We know that there's some stuff happening that shouldn't be. And maybe you're not in a position where you can just chuck the deuces and leave. Right. You're like, I gotta stay here till I find something else or whatever the case. But that self-advocacy, how would you advise others on how to address these occurrences with balance in the workplace? So when you're in a very toxic work environment, advocating for yourself is probably not going to yield the same results that it would if you were in a healthy and supportive work environment. So you have to do that much more carefully. Um, I, I... for myself, I monitored my venting um, because that I found myself in just this kind of swirl of negative energy when you start constantly talking to other people about everything that's wrong, then you just find yourself stuck in this negative space and you can't shake that off. So what I would do ask myself, what's the next right answer? What's the, like, this is trash. I know it's trash. It's going to be trash. But what's the best next thing that I can do in this circumstance to make it just a little bit better so that I stay in integrity with myself? 
And when I started to look at it that way, I was able to bring my anxiety levels down and, you know, find safe spaces of people that I could talk to. But we held each other accountable not to let ourselves get too far into the doldrums. Because venting is a dangerous habit. Because when you're venting, you're not looking for solutions. You just want somebody to conspire with you in your misery. And nothing good is going to come of that. And the universe responds to your energy. So when your energy is bad from eight in the morning till five in the afternoon, you're not going to come home in the right frame of mind to write that cover letter, to send that resume out so you can get that next opportunity. You're not going to feel like going to the networking so that you can shake hands and meet people that's going to bring you to that next opportunity. So you really got to be careful about that. But with, by the same token, you know, cultivate your outside interests um, because toxic work environments t- take such a, a toll on us physically and emotionally. That's the time that you have to make sure that you eat and right. That's the time you got to make sure you hydrate it, you moisturize <laughs> your, you know, your, keep your prayers up, keep your meditation up, like all of those things that keep you in positive habits, listening to podcasts that keep you encouraged, like this one and others, like that's the time for you to really fuel your spirit, you know, so that you're, when you come in there, you're ready. It's also the time for you to cultivate your other interests. I started my blog out of frustration with my job, which led to me starting a business. So you can take that, that hobby that you've been wanting to get into, that side business that you've been wanting to start. When your workplace is toxic, that's the time to take that untapped creative energy that, that you can't successfully put in space and put it somewhere else that's going to feed you in a different way. So those would be the things that I would suggest to people to handle themselves. Um, I will say, you know, in full disclosure, I did not do a very good job of eating healthy, and all of that stuff. I ate all my feelings, okay? And um, I'm going to have to hire a trainer to undo some of this damage um, because I just snacked, you know, I just snacked the days away. Um, Like, I was like, oh, I had a bad day. Let me eat these donuts. Like, I did that, you know, and instead of focusing on the positives and trying to keep my head in the right space, I let myself get down. And that cost me opportunities because I just didn't have the energy to go get it the way that um, I would have, you know, if those sorts of things weren't going on. So if I had it to do again, which Lord knows, I'd hope I never have to do it again. <laughs> but if I did, I would listen to my own advice and not do that. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing and <clears throat> and being candid about that because, man, it's a slippery slope. Like you said, I'm glad that you talked about just that whole like gossip and kind of venting piece because once you like find your tribe, you become friends with someone in that venting and that gossip. That's the only thing that you guys really have to like hold on to. So you have in common mm-hmm. it off of each other. And I was just having a conversation with a good friend, like, yo, stop having conversations like that with so-and-so because you need to flip that switch. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, and it was really hard because she was saying, Oh, all they come to me is about the negative. Cause that's what all we were talking about. And now we don't have anything to talk about now that I've cut that off. And I'm like, yep. Listen, you're already in the environment. You don't you don't need to fuel that fire. It's easy to do though because we want someone to talk to. Right? Yeah, it's you know, misery loves company and that is true 
in a lot of ways. And we use that, you know, as an adage for negative people. But, you know, energy attracts similar energy. And when you're in a negative space, you can't attract, you know, positive people. And what you need to get yourself out of that toxic work environment, to get yourself set for that next opportunity, you need as much positive stuff, you know, out in the atmosphere and around you as you can possibly get. So, as much as you can, you know, find yourself a, a safe friend, give y'all, so give, set a timer, give, you, so give yourself <laughs> five, 10 minutes to get it. And then switch the topic to something better, something positive so that you can keep the good vibes going. Yeah, because you need, you need them all. You need them all in that environment. And, you know, I know that we're, we're laughing about some of it now, but, you know, what advice would you have for that woman listening right now and she's been dealing with a, a toxic environment and has settled into it. Because sometimes we start to believe that this is it for us. This is as good as it gets. And, um, and we start to normalize it. Tell her why she deserves an environment she can thrive in. She might have forgotten because of all that's around right now. Well, I can share my own story. You know, my, I started to feel the shift in my work environment probably almost, a, I would say, a year, almost two you know, before I finally was able to exit. And for a while, I told myself that I would be a quitter if I just up and left, that it was, you know, it would be weak of me somehow to not fight through and try to make that work. And those were just lies that I was telling myself. What I was experiencing was not normal. And for other women out there who are experiencing toxic work environments, it is not normal. You deserve better than that. As Black women, as women of color, by and large, we are the most educated group of people on the planet. We are out here cultivating ourselves, getting our minds right, getting our knowledge right more than any other group. And we don't do all of that to go to work and make 65, 75, 85 cent on the white man's dollar and have to deal with this foolishness. I am a woman of faith. I say, Jesus did not die for me to have to go through this. I don't know what your faith is, but whatever your faith is, whatever it is that you believe in, that sacrifice is, is not in vain. You waste yourself doing that. You should not be stressed out. That's not how we are meant to, you know, live ourselves out on, on this earth. It's just not. So don't let yourself get down, you know, too far in the doldrums. Recognize the signs, recognize the symptoms, and then make yourself a plan to get um I know you we talked about it jokingly, but workplace PTSD is real. Mm -hmm. The prolonged exposure to microaggressions, prolonged exposure to stress and, and all that heightened negativity that you go through when you work through a toxic work environment is likened psychologically to war. So when you come out of that, you are scarred. That's real trauma. Do not be afraid to get mental health help for that. I did it. I love my therapist talk about her all the time. I say, do not be afraid to do that. If your organization has an EAP, 
or if you have, you know, your health benefits, use your EAP first, because those visits tend to be th free. You usually get three, sometimes five or six. Some of the EAPs out there have a, what they call a professional development component built into it that will let you extend that. So if your therapist also does coaching, you can extend that to a certain number of visits. And again, you're not having to come out of your pocket for that. So all, you know, those are great, but get somebody to help you get your mind back right so that when you go to your next opportunity your mind is clear and you can make better choices i needed somebody to help me as as i was going through the job search process again to make sure that i was that i was asking the right questions of my next employer that i was looking around to see the signs of what happens in in a toxic work environment before i got there so i could say skirt uh-uh this ain't the opportunity for me and I turned some things down because I could tell that mm -mm, this ain't the type of environment that I need to be in I've got to go somewhere where I can build myself up and thrive again so it's really important don't be afraid you know to take those steps to get your mind back right and then the last thing I'll say is make sure that you again keep your energy in the right place um, I have a, a good male friend, a guy friend, who talks about um, when he's, he's single, so he's not married, and he talks about when he's decided he doesn't want to date any, a woman anymore, they do pre-breakup. So in his mind, he's already broke up with her. In his mind, he has moved on, and he starts to slowly back out of that relationship and start putting those boundaries in place again so that by the time he breaks the news, the emotional, you know, all the emotion is out of it. I'm done. Pre-breakup with your job. That's what I say. You know, write that, write that uh, letter of resignation. Put a date on it. Manifest that. You know, write your exit survey. Get all that negative energy out of you so that you can focus on finding your next great opportunity. Yes, yes. All of that great information because there's a lot of toxic work environments out there and we don't need to be in them. There's plenty no. of good opportunities and good people and good colleagues that want to create equitable environments for us. And, and we are, we are more than enough. And we just sometimes have been battered and, and, and to your point, taking that luggage, that baggage, don't take it to that next job. Leave that crap right where it is. Right. It's just like a bad relationship. You got to, you know, you might need to, to clear some stuff out to do some personal work. And the other thing I'll say, things are really bad. You go into your doctor, you go into your therapist, those sorts of things become important because if you, I am a human resources professional, if you ever become in a situation where you have to sue a former employer, having the health issues that you experienced documented in your medical files, is is important and helpful so you know don't sell yourself short on that people always say oh you know we don't complain nearly enough there may be a lot of claims out there but a lot of them ain't us you know we as as much as they like to pretend like we make a big deal out of everything we complain far less and so a lot of us walk away from negative jobs and and places that have really done us damage and traumatized us and we just move on to the next thing. So if that may be you, but that may not be you. And if it's not, then make sure you put yourself in the best position possible. When you said that girl, I was thinking of, um, in my book, I, 
right about a place and I'm thinking you guys should send me a thank you check that I didn't mm -hmm. take you that I listen <laughs> okay I remember I got listen and I'm gonna say this now because I know you're not gonna let me say it if I don't say it right now but y'all better order this book I got an advanced copy and I'm telling you it is living up to all the hype so get your pre-order it now because Minda is about to blow up. Y'all don't even know. The memo is about to set people free. I'm telling you. So, well, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I definitely didn't want you to do that ad, but they, they <laughs> <laughs> I had to sneak it in there. Thank you. Thank you. But you know, you and I, we can, we can talk about this stuff all day. All day and night. Let people know how to find you. You have a podcast as well. Like, mm -hmm you're active in a lot of different spaces. So how can, I'll have it in the show notes, but I, I want them to hear where they can find you. Okay, my website is buzzarooneyllc.com and my podcast is Leading in Color. My blog is The Buzz on HR. On my social media, The Buzz on HR is the best place to find me. I'm The Buzz on HR on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and that'll connect you to everything else um, from there. Um, and you can also sign up for my monthly newsletter at my website as well. So please connect with me. I'm always happy to meet new people and have folks ask me questions and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, follow, follow me on the social media streets. Yes, yes. We'll make sure that, and, and all, you heard all the resources she has. So you make sure you get, get it on all of them. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so that's how we secure our seat by making sure that we, we have the resources that we need. We're out here sharing this sauce so that we all can we all can win but I cannot let you leave uh the show without my bonus questions as a lover of grits and rap lyrics I have to know what is your favorite rap lyric and why this was so hard like as I was preparing for this show trying to figure so I have two so okay. the first one um is Queen Latifah ladies first um, some think that we can't flow, stereotypes, they got to go. I'm a mess around and flip the scene into reverse. What? With a little touch of ladies first. So we always got to put the ladies first. And then the second one is a Cardi B, because y'all, you know, I'm a Cardi B stan. Um, I can't believe they want to see me lose that bad. They talking junk and they stink. Those hoes mad trash. I'm giggling. Can't let the devil get laugh ain't no more beef, beefing I'm just keeping to myself I'm my own competition I'm competing with myself so I had to throw the hey, hey. At the end. <laughs> now why that one tell me about that um I've heard that song with her and Chance the Rapper um Best Life is the name of it I love how she just talks you know because people will definitely try to come for you they will always say oh you know, the, in the, the, it starts out with her talking about how they made her a hashtag. They said she was problematic because of her background as, as a stripper and as a, as a for then a mixtape artist and then a, a reality show. Like they tried to, you know, illegitimize her and people will do the same thing to you. You know, they will do, they will try to make it seem like you are, and especially as, as women of color and as black women, they will always make it seem like you one credential away from having the thing that you need to have. And it's like, I'm watching people who have far less credential, far less experience than what I have. They're trash. They out here selling wolf tickets. And I'm doubting myself. I'm, you know, I'm my own competition. I'm just trying to be better than the person that I was yesterday. And so, you know, I love Cardi for that. I find the evolution of her and the phenomenon of her just really interesting, challenging a lot of things surrounding 
how we look at women and, and feminist ideologies. I, I think that she, uh, someday I feel like people are going to teach a whole class just on Cardi B because of, of how she came up and how different her narrative is and how unapologetic she still is in who she is and where she comes from. She's not trying to change her accent or change her look or anything like that. So I, I think that that is so important because we, we often in trying to be mainstream and be successful, we shrink ourselves and we try to shove ourselves into this box of what white, male society has defined, you know, as successful and that she's pushing that envelope and doing it differently. Not just her, but a lot of other people, but she's doing that differently. And I just, I just really love that. So that particular song is probably my favorite off of her album. That's what's up. I always like a good, a good line. There's so much in a rap lyric, Um, (laughs) but (laughs) but the show is called Secure the Seat. What does that mean to you? So, oh, this is tough too. Um, I think being professionally successful as the most whole and authentic version of yourself that you can be in a way that that radiates and creates space for other people to do the same so that you can bring the people from the margins in. For me, that's what securing the seat is about. The more that I show up as myself, and that I feel comfortable and confident and accepted showing up for myself, that representation makes it okay for other people to show up for themselves and makes it other okay for us to invite those other people from the margins in. So that for me is what securing the seat is all about is I think on the second half of my career and the legacy that I wanna leave, bringing, showing up authentically and making space for other people to do that themselves and bringing folks in from the margins, like that's really what I want it all to be about. So that's what securing the seat is. I love that, uh, bringing folks in from the margins. That's just so great. And and that that's what legacy building is. It's not just about our seat. It's about making sure that when we look back, there's like bleachers full of folks, like, you know, just it's all just kinds of people. Just, yes. <laughs> they're doing their thing. And so I appreciate you and the work that you do. And I'm so happy that we finally got you on Secure the Seat. Thanks, Sarah. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Have a good night. You too. I hope you enjoy that episode as much as I did. Uh, It was so fun to uh, record that. And I know it's not fun when we are going through the toxic workplace, but please know that Sarah has been through it. I have been through it. There's many of us that have been through it and we've made it to the other side. Uh, In my book, I talk about a very toxic experience I had and I was pretty much crawling out of the door uh, at the end of that experience because my pride and everything was scattered all over. Um, I did not speak up for myself the way that I should have. I took a lot of crap that I should not have taken. And um, and it really shook my self-esteem. Um, there was a time before that where I was very confident in my work, knew what I brought to the table. But when you are greeted with this toxicity, it chips away at you. And um, I was barely surviving, definitely wasn't thriving. And so that experience is what prompted me to create the memo It prompted me to write the book. It prompted me to produce the podcast because I 
said on my watch, I never want another black woman. I never want another woman of color to go through this and feel like they don't have anybody else. Not on my watch. And so um, I do this for us. It's so important that we have spaces, we have content, we have community, we have conversation to talk about these things. Because sometimes, you know, we try to be the strong black woman, we try to be the strong this and that. And and at some point, the burden becomes too much. And there's got to be better ways to navigate it. But even more so, we have to find the table that's right for us. We don't have to try to make it work. No more trying to make it work. You know when you're being mistreated. We just have to find that strength to get on up out of there. But um, I just want to say thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you have not had a chance to leave a rating or a review, please go and do that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you listen. Most of you, when I look at the analytics, you listen on Apple. Um, so uh, make sure that you go and do that. It takes less than 60 seconds. Leave that quick five star. And you, and even if you're feeling real, real fresh, you can leave a comment. But if nothing else, leave that five-star rating. That would really be appreciative. So um, I'm hitting the tour uh, on August 20th. I start in New York City, and I'm bouncing all around. If you go to my website, mindahearts.com, sign up for the virtual book club. You'll get all the dates. I'll make sure that you have that. And we're going to do a virtual book club where you get to talk with me about the book, but also talk with others. This book club is about you. I created it because not everybody has the resources to get to a city that I might be in. Not everybody might have that time off to get to a city that I'm going to be in. And so I want to make sure that you still have access. Uh, So important. So hope you're doing well. Keep securing your seat. Make sure that you support Sarah's work. She's on Twitter like I am, we like to play in those Twitter streets. So at Minda Hearts, make sure that you um, follow us and let's continue the conversation. Maybe you have some tips or some warning signs that we missed out on. So have a great week. And like I said before, keep securing your seat and bringing other women of color along for the ride with you. Have a great day. Talk to you soon.